Welcome to the Sunday Monday Show, a podcast about being bold in faith, work, and life. I'm your host, Jane Kennedy. Let's get down to business. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Monday Show and our very special series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Over the next nine weeks, I will be sharing nine episodes with you on individual fruit of the Holy Spirit, which include love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. For each of these fruit, I reached out to a friend who I feel like lives this fruit beautifully in their life, and we had a conversation about it. We talked about the um, the fruit of that Holy Spirit. We talked about the challenges. We talked about um, living this in a world where it can be so hard to live these virtues. Um, and we also talked about living it in our particular state of life. So some of these friends are married. Some of them have young kids. Some of them are single. Many of them work in some way. And I'm just so excited to share their stories with you because truly, I have been so inspired by these conversations. I think they're some of the best we've ever had on the Sunday Monday show, and I cannot wait to share them with you. So without any further ado, welcome to our Fruit of the Spirit series, and let's get started. Welcome to Sunday Monday. Oh, do it again so it gets you on the recording. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sunday Monday. I'm Bridget Bosco, here with Jane Kennedy. <laughs> that was really good. I should actually hire you to do my a new intro for me. <laughs> I think it's time. Your it's commercials. Been a years. Oh my gosh, yeah. I just need anybody want to sponsor this podcast? Because I'm a girl who <laughs> record my, my ads. Anyone want to throw some money at us? There's a few steps before I get ads, but maybe I just need to start like doing ads, like doing them, and then the, then the people ones. will realize that I'm doing them and they'll be like, thank you so much, and then I'll, they'll pay me. They, You know, that's a thing with videos. Uh, videography my sister does it you we do really like fake commercials yeah and sometimes you'll get picked up by the people or other companies will realize damn she puts together a really good commercial i don't know if All it right. works with podcast ads but it's worth looking into huh make it till you make it i honestly could not agree more with a statement sometimes you, that's what you got to do um thank you for coming and being on this podcast the fact that i get to record with you in person in sunny san diego is pretty much a dream i love it I love that we're in the same place. I know. From Finally. one corner to the other, to another, to another. It's crazy. We're going to make it. We're going to continue to just run into each other, I feel. Until we start our convent. Until we start our convent, yeah. We can talk about that later, though. <laughs> um. Jane wants to get married for everyone listening. She's not going to be a nun. Unless the Lord requires or asks or desires that for me, then I'll, I'm, so, I'm so in. Her DMs are open. Her DMs are open either way. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Okay, Bridget. Um, down to business. Would you please introduce yourself? Uh, you've been on the podcast at least once. Twice? I think twice. I think we've done it twice. You've yes. been on it, okay, a couple times. So this yep. is, um, third time's a charm. Yes. Although the other two are very good too. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you just give a little intro so people know who you are? Have some context? Sure. My name is Bridget. I am the second oldest of six kids raised mostly in Southern New Hampshire by my mother and kind of my grandfather. He was a big part of our childhood and raising us. And then I went to Christendom College in Virginia, which was kind of a, well, it's not a fluke. It was sort of a miracle. I didn't want to go, but I knew I should go. And every year since graduating, I have just been more and more grateful that I went there because it definitely changed the whole trajectory of my life. And then I lived in D.C. for a while, worked on Capitol Hill, worked for Live Action, pro-life organization, met Jane doing Miss D.C. for about 12 minutes. (laughs) 
Neither of us actually competed, but we met at orientation, and I think we probably told that story in another episode. Probably. I mean, it's an important story because this is one of those reasons you should always go for those kind of like inklings on the heart because I had no, I still don't know why I ever even tried to do Miss DC, but I'm so glad that I did because I met you. And then I moved to Arizona, kind of in this season of sorrow and heartbreak, moved to Arizona, did a lot of healing, realized I was alcoholic. Um started the sobriety journey and then I moved to San Diego in November to start a job as a news reporter realized that I don't think the news is good I think it's making the world a worse place so now I'm just kind of like all right Lord what's next we'll see (laughs) I love it there's always something next and like something very good next Hmm. for you I feel like you are one of the most open to the promptings of the spirit and like often I don't know. Whenever I'm like, oh, Bridget, like, what's going on now? Like, you always have something that you're New. doing that's, like, so exciting and fun. Um, so, yeah, that's so good. Well, thank you for that introduction. Very much appreciate it. Um, so, I have you here today to talk about one of the, I think, kind of, like, hard-to-define, hard-to-live um, fruits of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. which is self-control. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something everybody probably wants to grow in in some way or another. Um, but we'd just love to hear kind of your initial reflection on like this fruit. Like what do you, how would you define it? How do you feel like you, you choose it daily? What does that look like for you? Well, I will first say when you first asked me to talk on this, I really, I laughed out loud. I was like, is she being funny? Because I feel it is actually one of the things I struggle most with is self-control. I'm very impetuous, very rash, some might say. So it is, yeah, it's been a struggle my whole life, self-control. And I was thinking on it last night when you sent me the questions because in some ways I think I've spent most of my life white knuckling the things I want to control, um, but not myself. (laughs) But I I think there's just such a distinction and they're probably very much interconnected between really trusting in God and in a power greater than ourselves and recognizing that we are so little while at the same time doing everything in our power to take radical self-responsibility and that really comes down to the virtues and discipline and that's what self-control is it really is the ability to over time build good habits of virtue and break bad habits of vice and it's something i've struggled with a lot but i think that's that's kind of where holiness lies and it's not rigid it's not heartless or cold or you know i guess rigid is the right word but it is, it's just true flow of virtue. And there's such freedom in that. And it's something I've struggled with my whole life because, you know, in my early childhood, there was a lot of control from an abusive authority, a lot of manipulation. And so as I grew up and out, I just rebelled, I think, against any form of um, what I perceived as control, including self-control. It just felt like the more free you could be, the more just whatever, all over the place, that's where freedom lay, was just in doing what you wanted, however you wanted, screwing authority. And then, you know, you, you start to run your own life into the ground and realize that, that there has to be some middle ground, which is obviously what virtue is. It's the mean. Um, anyway, all this to say, I, I really have found, especially on the sobriety journey, that self-control is recognizing your littleness and, and your true place in the whole order of how God made things and who God is and who you are to him and then living according to that love which is true freedom Mm. and I believe at the root of self-control is 
at least for what God intended for true self-control is like radical freedom in him. Mm. I love that. I've been praying a lot about freedom recently with just this idea of like, like Jesus doesn't want us to be anxious or grasping or worried. And I think that the idea that continues to come in prayer is like, he wants us to be free. Mm-hmm. Like he wants us to be free because it's when we're free that we're better able to love other people. Mm-hmm. We're better able to say yes to him. We're less afraid. Um, and I just think that this fruit of self-control for me really, yeah, I think I remember having a conversation with my brother a few years ago and we were kind of arguing over my, my what I said was I was like discipline and rules create freedom. Because when you live by a rule of life, when you have discipline in certain activities, you are more free to like, I think, really be yourself. Whereas if you're in, in times of my life when I haven't been disciplined and I haven't really like wanted to run by the rules, like, I don't know, I've just felt really scattered and stressed out and anxious mm-hmm. and like, it's all on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went back and forth. I remember we had this like long debate about it, but I was like, I really do think that like, there's something to be said about like, when we're able to live kind of in harmony with like where we are in our lives and like what we're being asked to do. We have this new freedom Mm -hmm. to really be who God wants us to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think that's very against the culture right now to like think, oh, like, well, I can do whatever I want and that creates freedom. And I'm like, well, when I lived in a way where I did whatever I want, I was miserable. (laughs) Like I was just, I was lost and I was frustrated and I was anxious. And it wasn't until I finally was like, okay, God, you have a better way than I do. I found, found that freedom. Yep. I love sense. that. No, I really, really like that. And it, it hits on something I've been thinking about recently, which is that I, I think freedom and the word natural fit really well together. Because if you look at creation, there isn't a very ordered way that it works. And when it doesn't go the way it's meant to, even if two clouds that aren't supposed to crash, crash, then it's a thunderstorm. Or if, if a natural system in the forest, the rainforest gets disturbed, everything else gets thrown off. If one species is going extinct the others start to suffer because they can't go eat them because they're not there to eat. Mm-hmm. so i think in and i mean we see it with the food we put in our body and the makeup we put on our skin or whatever or if you even you know we've been kind of open about struggling with eating disorders i think that at the root of that which obviously there, there's a slavery there to an inordinate relationship with food it's unnatural and we're we're trying to build ourselves into something for whatever reason. And there's a lot of things that go into addiction and eating disorders, but we're, we're basically constricting and trying to manufacture something that is not natural. It is not free. And I've come to sort of this place in my life where I'm realizing the more natural, like just base natural, like the food we eat and which this is so hypocritical because I'm, I just came from Starbucks, but I really feel that like at the end of the day, we have cluttered our systems literally and metaphorically there's so much that isn't natural that isn't real and so we're not free and we're, we're living by the constructs of our phones and the government and societal expectations and all this stuff that is just like completely clogged the arteries of like what it is to just like be a natural human being with that order and discipline and discipline's a scary word i've always detested it because probably because of my upbringing um but it really is, I mean, I, I kind of want to look up the roots of it, actually, like what it means. But at the end of the day, that's where freedom lies because you're just responding naturally over time with good habit the way you ought to, mm-hmm. kind of cooperating in the order of things the way God made it, the order of 
nature if that's how if it's mm-hmm. really that simple mm-hmm. and then obviously you can elevate it to the nature of god and like bring it into your spirituality which i think is very important because we're body and soul but we've i think we've overcomplicated all of it really through no fault of our own because of how cluttered the world is mm-hmm. and so we've lost sight of what it really means to be free but i think too and we can get into this maybe later on but freedom connected with just like this idea that at the end of the day how do I put this we're gonna have to cut this out because I'm pausing I just blanked well maybe ask a question I was gonna say oh trust so I say this again yeah yeah. okay (laughs) freedom and trust I think also go hand in hand because in one breath and I said this a little bit at the beginning we're white knuckling our lives we're trying to control everything and everyone and a lot of that is because we learned young that we couldn't trust adults. You know, almost every single one of us has some childhood trauma that led us to believe that one, we couldn't trust authority, and two, we had control. We actually could kind of manipulate how things went, success or failure. Mm-hmm. So you learn young that actually I I am in control. And so you spend Or at least I'm in control of this one action. Totally. Right. Right. Yeah. And so then you 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 think that growing it's almost become second nature instinctive that like i'm not going to surrender anything and so freedom is like making sure all the pieces line up and all the people are exactly where you want them to be and everything is all ducks are in a row how you want them to be meanwhile the freedom i think the weight that would just come the weight lifted that would come with saying like okay there is an order i am not in control of there is a higher power there is a god i mean that alone would probably change the game so i think it's so important to hit on trust in god Mm-hmm. Too, when we're having this conversation. Yeah. About self-control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, that's the thing. It all comes back to trust. And it all comes back to recognizing. I think something I've kind of seen through these conversations around these different fruit of the spirit have been like, it's just so interesting how they all build on each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah. And how, like, I think I, I love what you said about, like, the natural balance of things. Have you seen the movie The Biggest Little Farm? That sounds okay. cozy. It's so cozy. Um, it's about this farm in um, Moore Park, which is like Santa Barbara area kind of. And um, they it was this couple from L.A. that decided to start a farm that was totally self-sustaining. So hmm. they didn't want to use pesticides. They didn't want to use, like, they wanted to use natural irrigation systems. Um, and it's so cool because you watch them go through these challenges. It's like maybe a two-hour documentary. Highly recommend. I was, like, hmm. weeping. It was so beautiful. Huh. But they're talking about, like, like they have this issue with all these snails. So there's these snails eating the trees. And so typically what you would do is you come in with pesticides. But what that does is it, like, destroys all the organic food. So they brought in these geese. And they're like, oh, they mm. used to use geese. And the geese come in and they eat all the little snails. Huh. And, like, it just watching that was such it was a spiritual experience. Because you're mm. just like, God has created everything so intentionally. Yeah. And I think that the moments I struggle with self-control is, like, exactly what you're saying. Where it's like you forget that. Mm-hmm. And then... My struggles with self-control often come from feeling like I'm, I've lacked, I've lost control over something, whether mm-hmm. it's an emotion mm-hmm. or a plan or um, something I want. Like, you know, I think a lot about self-control when it comes to what I share, right? Like mm-hmm. gossip and falling into that, mm-hmm. that sin, which I can struggle with of like, especially like this summer catching up with friends I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. It's really hard for me to like, I have to pray about it a lot to be like, okay, how do I like facilitate a good, deep, beautiful conversation that also like stays above mm-hmm. sharing things that don't need to be shared. Sure. And I find 
that when I walk away from a situation where I shared too much or like opened something that didn't need to be opened, I feel so icky. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like that was not a good conversation. It didn't glorify God and it didn't make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I do walk away from situations where I hold my tongue, I feel this freedom, right? Of like, oh my gosh, like I feel like I honored that person. I honored, you know, the information I have about other situations and I honored myself mm-hmm. and honored God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where like, I see my struggles with self-control are often an offshoot of a place where I'm feeling lack of control, lack of acceptance, lack of like being known or being seen. Right. It's like, if I feel like no one is paying attention to me and I just need something from people, then that's where I, I don't know. I, I think I can see there's a very clear kind of when I fall into these issues, I'm like, Oh, it's because I, was lacking this thing that sure. I wanted. No, know? that's such a good point. And I think it's important because how do you get to the, to a problem? How do you ta- attack it? You you have to go to the root of it and figure out why you're doing the things you're doing. And it also helps you have self-mercy because we're not trying to be monsters, most of us, <laughs> you know? So, And I think that is, that goes back to the point I said earlier, which is that we learn early that white-knuckle control I mean, kind of happens as a child. And so I think when when we don't feel seen or heard, when we feel out of control, because maybe we are, there's a beside ourselfness that happens, at least for me. I mean, I would get kicked out of games left and right. I think I have the record for game ejections at Christendom College still. Because and I would see black, like I wouldn't even realize it was happening. And you, it would just be this instant of anger or out of control or fury or whatever it was. Um, where something was happening that, I mean, I hate that this word has been overused, but you really end up kind of triggered and then you just, you're acting out the way a kid would, like a tantrum on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I would also like to add that I think the way the world is wired in this is probably very deliberate and Satan has probably planted a lot of this. Everything is so um, addictive <laughs> today. You know, you have social media, you have sugar, alcohol, drugs, all these things that pornography are so easily accessible they're everywhere and they they make it so that you're having to fight things that your brain automatically clings to and clicks with in order to to stay free and to stay natural which is why i think natural really is a good word to go with freedom and self-control if you build up those those habits of kind of at-homeness in yourself and groundedness in yourself which you have to do in order to have self-control because you have to recognize when you're starting to lose it yeah and usually for me, it's instantaneous, and all of a sudden, I yeah, like I said, I see red, and mm-hmm. I have to go back and be like, I don't even know what I just did there or what I said. So, but if you can identify those things that that lead up to a moment like that, that's when you can you can identify and then tackle before it becomes you know a relapse or giving into a, a, a temptation that you struggle with all the time or losing your temper, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I think too, and we might get into this forget all the questions but there's that verse and I don't remember where it is but it it said for he did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity but a spirit of love and power and self-control oh my favorite yeah somewhere in Timothy yeah I think it's I think I pulled it up one Timothy two two Timothy one seven two Timothy one seven exactly so good it is so good and it just shows you like the opposite like self-control is power and self-control is like the opposite of cowering in a corner holding on to your blankie like, you know, looking around, waiting for the, the shoe to drop or waiting for someone else to fix your life. Like when you have self-control and self-ownership, which I really like to look at as a sort of at-homeness in yourself, because then it's not ego and it's not, you know, just this rigid discipline and this 
kind of, I don't know, which I think the world can tend toward, which in some ways is fair. It's almost like they look at the, the out of control clutter of the world and the pendulum just swings the other way and it becomes this rigid, independent self-discipline that's like almost untouchable. True self-control, true virtue is just a, an ownership of who you are in light of who God is and who he made you to be, which like you said earlier is when you can really love best because you, you have a realization of who you are and an ownership over who you are, which Satan hates. Mm-hmm. And that's why so many attacks are happening on identity, right? Yes. Like that's probably the strongest attack he always throws on me is like, mm-hmm. oh, you think you're loved? You mm-hmm. think you were, like, you think there's a plan for your life? Mm-hmm. You think you're beautiful? You think you're smart? Like, th- those questions, he just knows. He can just dart them at us. And I, I was talking to someone. They're like, the place where you are feeling the most attacked is the place of, like, God's, like, greatest, like, glory for you. Mm-hmm. And those little places where we feel just so ripped to, pe- to pieces over mm-hmm. something about ourselves, like, those are places that God really wants to work. Um, and that's why, why, you know, the enemy sees it as a threat. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't want this person to recognize that they actually do have power over this addiction. Right. I don't want this person to recognize they actually have power over this, like, temper that they continue to, like, lose it. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want them to realize that because if they if they can channel that passion towards something productive, mm-hmm. then, you know, the enemy's in trouble. I love that. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that there's there's, like, so many ways to go into self-control. Um, I think one thing I would love to talk about, and we've talked about this a little bit, but like, how do you handle moments of struggling with self-control? Cause I think one thing you said that I love is self-mercy. Cause that's a, that's an issue I will have is I will, um, be in a situation, I'll gossip or I will get angry or I will, um, do something I didn't want to do. And then I get angry at myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. we've talked about this, mm-hmm. Jane, like, why are you doing this? Like, where did this come from? Um, we've talked about like <laughs> we've been through this, um, and, and I think it is hard sometimes to pull yourself out of the beating up, yeah, and and actually instead say like ask the productive question, which I think you said is like, what? Why did this happen? Like, right. what was the wound that this came from? What is the root of this? Yep. Um. So yeah, how do you a- approach those situations? It's a great, great question. Well, two things. One, the other day I was at pickleball with one of my coworkers and. I was almost embarrassed at how much I was talking to myself and how mean I was being to myself. And I mean, thankfully pickleball is a sport where it's two people on either side of the net. So like it, but that same attitude of just like getting increasingly frustrated with myself and it was dumb. I've never played pickleball before and I wasn't horrible at it. Like I was picking up quick, but I was every single time I messed up, I was cussing myself out and just being really angry. And he was like, dude, you need to chill out. And that same, I realized how easy it would be for me to get right back into how I had been back in the day with contact sports because then you just start taking out other people and you're mad at yourself and then you're hip checking them and whatever. So it, I realized the other day that sports are such a great kind of window into the soul because I always thought I'm getting better. And then the second I play anything competitive, I realize I'm still a wreck, but I've been working. Well, this priest in Sedona has been working with me a lot and he was the first one well, he wasn't the first one to say that I had a problem with drinking, but he was the first to kind of say, look, you need to, you need to stop drinking. And, um, he's been huge throughout the whole journey of sobriety and really helping me through a very, very loving paternal lens, make this choice over and over again every day. Um, and we can touch on that, but it's been some close calls. It's not easy. Sobriety's not easy, but the other day we were talking and he said, it's so important that you 
listen to that inner child who learned very young she was not worth fighting for, that she was not safe, because that is who comes out in those moments of, of being really out of control. And so if you can identify it before a, a tantrum, that's ideal. But for me, usually it's after the fact because I lose it so quickly and it, it usually is, you know, my temper that goes. It's to, it's to minister to her. So even, I know I told you about the other day at the meeting when I lost it on the group and left and whatever, and I still feel that I was very justified in being angry. But the way I had to go about figuring out even if I had done anything wrong and what, I, what had brought me to that point of losing my temper was to picture eight-year-old Bridget in a situation of my childhood where I was very much not feeling seen or safe and to go back there and say, okay, what does she need right now? Because she doesn't need self-pity and she doesn't need to sit there and suck her thumb. That is unhelpful. That is, it's immature. It's going to run my life into the ground now at 28. But she does need to be seen right now. And my priest was so clear. He's like, you have to like listen to her or she will take over and then give, give to her what you would. And sometimes like if you're having a rough day and you just, you know, and sometimes you do, you wake up, you just know you're off. And those are usually the days that Satan can attack because he's yeah. a coward and he's going to attack while you're down. Mm-hmm. Try as best you can in those days to deliberately imagine younger Jane, younger Bridget, or a child that you can picture. And working with those twins when I was a nanny was really helpful. Like there is a way I would act when they were there and a way I would treat them that helped me realize like oh, I'm being so harsh to myself. So on those rough days when you're waking up and you just know you're a little off kilter and you're you're more susceptible to losing self-control mm-hmm. and to grabbing for those things, whether it's the addictions or whatever. Losing self-control, let's just mm-hmm. leave it there. Make eight-year-old Jane breakfast. Make her a good breakfast and sit with her and like take 20 minutes to eat a good breakfast and go sit in the sun for 10 minutes and make a really good ice water and like hold it and look at the ice and like you have to be so deliberate the way you would if you're with that child because then you're grounding yourself first of all and you're you're simultaneously getting out of your own mucky head you Mm -hmm. know and I just think that there's a way that you would you would minister a child in those moments that would be void of self-pity in a way that's unhelpful because it just you wouldn't let a kid do that you wouldn't let a kid ruin their day but you would be very gentle in how you get them back on track. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, something I think I've said quite a few times on different episodes is like, I, I, I love the eight-year-old because I've always gone to the toddler. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I'm having a day that I'm just having a day, I'm like, okay, what would, what would I, like, how would I treat myself? Like, how would I treat a toddler in this situation? It's like, does the toddler need a nap? Probably. Does the toddler need some food? Probably. Mm-hmm. A bath? Probably. Does the toddler need some ice cream? Maybe. <laughs> um, but I just think that like kind of just being, yeah, helping yourself be a little bit more gentle with yourself mm-hmm. um, and thinking like, okay, what does this like child need? Because you're right. Like there are parts of that within us that come out. Oh no, stop it. No, don't use. Okay. There are parts within us that come out when we are feeling threatened and mm-hmm. unsafe mm-hmm. and that take us back to those kind of... Um, What's the acronym that I think about a lot? Oh, HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And if I'm feeling out of something or I'm feeling like I want to do something not super constructive, I'll go back to that and be like, okay, are we hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And how then can we solve those things? Because those are all things you can address. Hmm. You know? Wow. Yeah, and it's so basic and natural like we were talking about earlier. And they say in the rooms of recovery 
I'm supposed to keep it anonymous, but everyone knows I go to AA, so I don't know, whatever. Anyway, in AA, <laughs> one of the key things you do to basically get to the point of wellness is to take a complete moral inventory where you go through and you figure out. Do I say it again? Yeah, I just did it one again. Okay. So in the rooms of recovery, one of the things you do is you take a full moral inventory, which there are steps that lead up to that. You don't just sit there and hate on yourself, but it is a very strategic way of coming to realizing the things that you need to work on. And which is so cool because some of them, you know, and some of them are like, oh, wow, did not realize that about myself. But what the, the way that AA, the big book defines um, character defaults, which is what you are looking for when you do the moral inventory are natural instincts gone awry like basically mm-hmm. your desire for things that are very good and natural that have gotten out of hand and that if we're all just trying to preserve our own out of hand instincts we're just going to step on other people and burn bridges and so you want to get back to a place of not doing that and you learn that young you learn that through trauma you learn that through life suffering that you have to control making sure you have enough food water roof safety whatever it might be And so getting to a place of kind of like correcting those instincts gone awry, I'm trying to think of a good example. So like as a child, you know, in a narcissistic abusive household, realizing that I think I have some control over how this adult is going to act, whether his emotions are good or or bad, whether he loves me or not. And so very early on, I learned basically emotional manipulation. So that's an instinct now that I can use for the wrong, excuse me, the wrong reasons. And that is not self-control. First of all, it's not virtue. And it's also just not love. So that's not helping other people at all. Oh, that's a good example. You don't have to include that. That's kind of weird. Well, something that you had said to me, this, this reminds me a lot of something that you said to me years ago. At least, I feel like this was at least two years ago. And you said to me, the, um, all of our sins are the reaction? Can you say it better? You know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> All sin is the. It is a desire for a perceived good, yeah. and a reaching for a grasping at a perceived good that you do not trust God will give you in its perfected form in His timing. That was it. Yeah, you said that to me once. I don't even remember what we were talking about, <laughs> but I just remember that, and I have, I have butchered that and. Sp- to other people so many times so I'm glad now I have it on recording but um but I love that because I think that's also sometimes the ways that like like you were striving for safety and you were like this feels like the best way I can do that but again it's that grasping for it um and not allowing God to provide and I think that with these with these thinking about these fruit of the Holy Spirit and these virtues like Mm -hmm. the whole idea is that they are given to us through the Holy Spirit and like we can try so hard to and I'm sure you've had this experience of recovery it seems and maybe you can speak a bit more into this, um, that a, a pillar of that is your relationship with God, mm-hmm. recognizing you don't necessarily have control. Mm-hmm. And I think that seems to be from the people in my life who I know um, have walked through this journey. It's a huge step to realize you don't have control. And I just, I think that we as humans so desperately desire yeah. to feel like we're in control. We know we're not right. for the most part. But like, I don't know if you could speak to that. No, that's a really good point. And I, that's an area where addiction, I almost, I don't wish everyone had an addiction, but I wish other people could realize the, the desperation of an addiction because you, you just know intrinsically that your life is out of control and that there is at least one thing for me, alcohol, that I am powerless over, that I don't have control. My life is completely unmanageable when I'm drinking 
and I want to drink all the time. And I haven't worked the steps diligently enough to be at a point where that obsession to drink has lifted. A lot of people experience a, a complete lifting and, and like full blown alcoholics experience a, a lifting of that obsession to drink, which is amazing and a miracle. It really is a miracle. But when you recognize that there is at least one thing that you're powerless over, then you can have every other duck in a row. And if you can't control your drinking, then everything else is going to fall to shit. And also you just, you, you know that you need something higher than you. And that's where God comes in. And I really do. I have found time and again, that when I have given up control and it's usually because of my back's against a wall and I, I just don't have control and I recognize that I don't. And then I just say, okay, Lord, you have to take this. When my mom was in the hospital is a great example. During COVID, none of us could go into the hospital. She had no one advocating for her except for when we could finally get someone to pick up the phone. I mean, it was hellish and I would not wish it on anyone. It's probably the hardest three weeks of my entire life. But there was a shift that happened at some point in those three weeks where I recognized like, I am not God and I did not create my mom. I did not pick when she was born. I do not know when she will die. And it was really a miracle of faith and God just being so good to me. But there's a, a true shift that happened where I recognized how little control I had. And I cannot even tell you the relief I felt when I realized that because what a prison that we put ourselves in thinking that we actually have some freaking control over anything outside ourselves mm -hmm. which is why when you have self-control and it's rooted really in becoming the best version of yourself and that at homeness in yourself as a child of God who knows they're loved you really are so free to then go out and just kind of do your best and surrender the rest because that's all you have all you have is the day in front of you and you mm. yeah and I love that I think that's something we've talked about kind of in your journey as well about like you have you focus on today and I think that's a big gift that that's important for every virtue but I think especially for self-control because I know that there are so many times when we're like like I remember being in the throes of like some just awful disordered eating for years of my life and just yeah just like this focus on these rules and I can't do this and I have to do this and like everything I eat is like I don't know I would just the way in which I viewed the days of my life was just so distorted um and I think that within self-control it's like okay I would just like to make it through today without I don't know saying something about someone that I shouldn't be saying or I would like to make it through today without getting angry mm -hmm. I would like to make it through today without um you know being in a conversation with someone and picking up my phone and scrolling on Instagram while we're in conversation mm -hmm. like those I feel like those little milestones can make such progress over time like mm -hmm. think about if you did that for 100 days if for 100 days you were like i will not be on my phone in the presence of someone else right like what a shift would that make in your relationships right. in yeah. your presence to people and your awareness of what's happening like to be not halfway in and out of something right. i just think that like and i know that going through sobriety it is every day at a time like it has to be mm -hmm. because thinking about the rest of your life thinking about i don't know i just i can imagine it's very overwhelming yeah, when you said something that made me think about, which this is definitely the case with sobriety, but sobriety is just an example of one, basically one sin to avoid because I, and not that drinking is a sin, but for me, drinking is a no-go. I can't drink. So, but it, it carries over to every single form of temptation, which is that you have to go one day at a time and kind of one moment at a time because you might fall at noon. And I used to do this with binging. If I 
ate one meal out of control, the day was screwed. And I was like, well, tomorrow, tomorrow, mm-hmm. tomorrow, tomorrow. And like, okay, that's cute until you're 500 pounds or dead and you, you wasted your life. And I think we do that with a lot of things. We're like, I'll, I'll get it tomorrow. I'll get it tomorrow. And so you have to be at a place where you are at least grounded enough in recognizing those moments, even if it's after the fact, after you've lost your temper, or after you've fallen mm-hmm. to a sin, to get it together. And this is where confession is huge. Being in a state of grace is huge because then you have a concrete moment of grace to come back in and say, all right, fresh slate, like start again. God is so merciful. He told, Jesus told so many of the saints that he appeared to that his greatest heartbreak is an underestimation of his mercy. Mm. So there's no lack of that. There's no lack of a God who wants to help us get back up and clean up the puke and, and clean us up. Mm-hmm. But we have to, we have to be able to reorient. And I've been really, really struggling. That's why I was kind of like, Oh, this is going to be a tough topic. I mean, I've almost relapsed several times in the past month. Um, started struggling with like new sins that I haven't really struggled with much at all before, which is definitely a sign of spiritual warfare. And when a friend pointed that out, I was very grateful because then you're like, all right, this is a battle. This isn't me just being a piece of shit. Um, and I, I was just really not wanting to pray, being very negligent of prayer, negligent of meetings, going to mass, like crabby going to mass. And the other day when we were at Mass together, it was a feast of St. Bridget, and I went to the bathroom halfway through, and out loud, I was like, Lord, I do not want to be here. Like, I'm struggling in the bathroom. So then I come back out, I go to communion, and I have this moment. They're playing New Wine, which I love the song. Mm, I love the song, too. <laughs> you know, it's so beautiful, because it's really about just, like, the crushing of becoming who you're meant to be. And also, I can't wait to have wine in heaven. <laughs> new Wine in heaven. Anyway, I had this instant, and I haven't had this in so long, maybe since I used to go to adoration all the time, and it was half a second at most, and I, I just saw Jesus, and his arms were out, and he looked so happy, and he was like, it was like, over here, over here, mm-hmm. and I mean, I could have wailed, but you guys picked the front pew, so I had to <laughs> Anyway, it was so beautiful, and then... The next day I woke up early because the dogs always go ham in the morning. And I woke up at like 8 and I was like, okay, when when the office at church is open, I'm going to call and see if they have adoration. Go back to sleep. I wake up and I'm just off. Like an hour later, completely off my game. Just really groggy in my head, kind of depressed. And I'm debating giving into a temptation to sin. And I got up and I got in the shower and I was just standing there and like abruptly I had the thought hit me that I was going to call the office for adoration. Like, absolutely a moment of grace. And I was like, Bridget, get your shit together. Absolutely not. Goodbye, Satan. And so, went to adoration, whatever. And so, all this to say, grace builds on grace. It's so important to be in a state of grace, and I have spent a lot of time not in a state of grace, and I can't even tell you the difference between the fight and those moments that God will give you to kind of, like, build those muscles when you are in a state of grace. And even if that means you're going to confession daily I mean I was going three four times a week at one point in my life mm-hmm. but it cannot be understated that the gift of penance and reconciliation is game changer I totally agree and I think I think being told that like God always gives us the grace to fight the good fight I have experienced that recently like very recently being like oh like being in these situations of total temptation and being like God showed up mm-hmm. totally showed up I like one Hail Mary, and then you feel like, oh, we have a visitor. We're going to pause. <laughs> All right. Two hours later, we are back. <laughs> we had a visitor, 
in the form of Erica's mom. And then we went in the pool for about an hour. And now <laughs> we are going to try to pick up where we were. So we're talking about grace. We're talking about the importance of being in a state of grace and that God gives us the grace that we need. And I think that like one thing I have experienced this grace through has been my friendships. Um, because I think that there are times when we just kind of want to give up on certain things. Like, and I know that my friends have kept me very accountable in places where I sometimes want to take a shortcut or do the thing I know isn't the best thing for me. Um, they're very good about being like, okay, sweetheart, we're not going to do this. Like there's a better way. There's a better way through this. And I think that's been helpful for me when I've been struggling with self-control. Um, it's just having the friends that I can call up and be like, Hey, so, um, I did this thing and I know I probably shouldn't have, but, um, like allowing them to give me the grace and allowing them to be gentle with me gives me a bit more permission, I think, to be gentle with myself. Mm -hmm. I love that. I forget who said it, but there's a quote that says, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Mm -hmm. And that has, I mean, I think it's always been true. I think it's true of all human beings. It's just human nature. You don't really get to decide, but it has been especially huge for me in sobriety. Um, crazy, the, the journey of friendship that went on my life, the first year of sobriety, the transformations, losing a lot of people that I never thought I would lose. Um, and it was both ways, but you know, you just realize you're not as compatible with people when you no longer want to just commiserate and, and moan and groan about the world. And so when you, and iron really does, I, <laughs> I have not been drinking this. <laughs> just sunburned. Iron does sharpen iron, and I think that there's probably nothing as important as the people you surround yourselves with intimately as far as building virtue, which obviously self-control is a huge part of that, so, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think as we're talking about friends, like, do you think there's anyone in your life who really exemplifies self-control well that you would look to as kind of a model of this virtue? Hmm. I mean, a lot of people in my life are very disciplined and beautiful in the way that they execute self-control. I think my grandfather is probably the best example because he is simultaneously the most generous man I've ever met. Um, and he's very Aristotelian virtue. You know, he, I, I think he believes in God, but he hasn't gone to church for years. And it's not, it isn't really this compulsion that he feels or a conviction. I think it really just is who he is at this point. I mean, he just turned 90 years old mm -hmm. and he has for years and years and years gotten up every day is a different tour day and he does the treadmill every morning and he eats the certain things for breakfast and lunch and dinner so even in the most base ways he's just had this routine but it's a routine that is fueled and just kind of driven by natural virtue and it's so beautiful and not rigid and not kind of scary or intense but just in a way that sets him up to still be here first of all like he's still alive because of how he's taking care of himself but to just give so generously of the fruits of his labor over all these years. And he's probably the best example. And just he has so much command over who he is mm -hmm. in a way that seems very natural. I mean, it is natural. And in a way that just uh, invites other people into the gift of who he is in a way that's just so beautiful and refreshing. Yeah, I think that you're calling out a really interesting um, truth, which is that people who... At least I think who exemplify 
self-control really well are people who really know who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's like what I think of when I think of you. Like, you know who you are. And I think it allows you to have boundaries against situations and people and desires that you know aren't going to serve you in the long run. And I think that's a huge issue that that can be such a trap. Is like, well, you want to be liked and you want to be celebrated and you want to be admired. And so, at least in my experience, I will allow certain things into my life that are not great practices of self-control because I'm trying to, as we said, like there's those little desires in your heart that you want to be Mm -hmm. seen and to be known. Um, And I just, I have so much respect for people who know who they are and live that so confidently every day. And I think I've grown in that a lot through my life, but I do think it's a place that I desire to grow of Mm -hmm. like, okay, if I can be totally confident in like who God has created me to be and like, and totally trust that he has this beautiful plan for my life, Mm -hmm. then I'm free to um, practice self-control and not fall into these little habits that come when I'm feeling a little insecure about who I am and um, what I have to offer. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that feeds off what we were just saying, which is who you surround yourself with really matters. Because people who see you for who you are, take you at face value, believe you when you speak. I mean, I can't even begin to say how important that is. And I didn't think that was something you could kind of struggle with. But yeah, people just who take you at face value who at the same time see you for your potential and what you are capable of and the love you're capable of giving and receiving, those are the people you need in your corner because on the days when you're struggling the most and you're maybe not seeing who you are, you don't really believe in it, which I mean, I have those days more often than not where even though I think I've come to a pretty good place of self-knowledge and self-awareness, there are days you feel crazy and alone and you need those rocks in your life to you up and I said it outside when we were at the pool like truly this week just spending time with you and Erica two people who are pursuing the good and wanting to excel and wanting a good life and trusting in God it has brought me back and reminded me of a certain the God I know and love and am in relationship with in a way I haven't experienced in months and that's the truth and it what if we've been together three days like it's just so important that you have those people in your life mm-hmm I think so too. And I think I also, I think something that we also were talking about in the pool, we should have just brought the laptop to the pool, honestly. (laughs) I thought about it, but then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to drop it. And then that would be a huge bummer. Um, But I think what we were talking about in the pool was, oh my gosh, what happened to my thought? We were just talking about um, spending time with people. Oh, that as time, like as you go through different seasons of life and different situations and you know, there's so many hard things that happen mm-hmm. and also so many good things that happen. Like you start to realize more and more, like who are the people that I want to speak into my life mm-hmm. and how do I gather more of them? Yep. And I think what I've seen is that God has in every place I've lived, like have provided me with exactly what I needed in mm-hmm. terms of the friends who were there and the people who were there. And what's kind of annoying about that now is that I have all these friends and like different corners of the, the world where I'm like, darn it, like, I can't see Bridget unless we're, like, in the same place. And obviously I can call you anytime, but, and do. But I do think that there's a, um, there's a gift in that of, like, knowing, and, and I think something I get messages about on the Sunday, Monday constantly, like, at least mm. once a week is, like, how do you find those friends? Mm. And I just want to speak into that because I've had seasons of such loneliness yep. because I knew that the friends I was spending my time with were not making me better. And so I had to choose to be alone, which as the most extroverted extrovert, girl's girl person ever, 
Yeah. Maybe not. But, but, but I, have a, I have a lot of that tendency. I don't really, I, I want to be with people. I yeah. feed off of that. I've had to like have those weekends where I'm just like, okay, I guess it's me and Jesus this weekend. <laughs> and I know how painful that is. So I don't want to minimize that. But I also know that like the fruit that is born in your life, when you spend time with people who don't believe in that part of you and like w- help you grow in virtue and the life that you can have with that, those friends that um, yeah. do want the best for you. Yep. Absolutely. No, I completely, completely agree. And I think two, two points. One, I have learned kind of the hard way, but it's been a relief, honestly, that it really is quality over quantity. Like even one really good friend or two or three is better than 20 fake Mm -hmm. friends who don't actually see you, who aren't actually going to help you when you're down. So really focusing on those friendships, like you said, that speak life into who you are and, and affirm who you are. And call you higher at the same time. You mm-hmm. know, people who really love you in yourself where you're at, but also are going to, you know, they want the absolute best for you. I forget what my second point was. What are we talking about? We've been Jesus, in the sun too long. You and Jesus, I know. I clicked. Um, shoot. Yeah, but I do think that actually is a hallmark of really good friends, is when mm-hmm. they do not enable you to do a thing that you might want to do, mm-hmm. but you know it's probably not the best decision and they also can see that yes and like also having the freedom and friendships to be that friend Mm -hmm. who's like i love you so much we are not going to do something destructive here like i love you like let's let's maybe we're just not gonna do it right now we could do it in a couple weeks but like let's think about this and um i think that's given me a lot of freedom too in friendships to be able to actually say what i think without the fear of like oh my gosh if i if i say something hard here are they going to run away and not want to be my friend anymore right. and that's like I don't really have that fear anymore because I first of all I have seen what happens when I do that and typically people are so grateful yeah because they're like you were the one person who was saying this to me right and people do want to hear that right true friends do true friends they really do want to hear it um but yeah it's helped and it's also strengthened my friendships because I know now that people come to me sometimes for that uh, and I know who I go to for that like I know if I want to do something if I want to like go do something I probably shouldn't do, I know who to go to for that. And <laughs> unfortunately, I don't have as many of those friends in my life anymore. Like I don't yeah. really have that many people that I could go to and say, "What do you think about this idea?" <laughs> like no, I don't have Jane. that. <laughs> I have way too many people in my life who were like, "Um, let's pray on that. Like let's <laughs> maybe not do this." Um, but anyway, hmm. no, it's really true. And I think too, this is what I was going to say earlier. It's right off to your point. We, who you spend your time with, people are communal, right? So, man to man you hold a mirror for each other and this is where radical self-responsibility and why I think everyone should work the 12 steps is so important because you also need to know who you are before you can be a good friend and that's very difficult for all of us to do because we all have ego we have to fight we all have trauma we all have all these things informing our decisions all the time those instincts gone awry like we we're talking about earlier so the the more work you can do on really figuring out who you are what your gifts are what your shortcomings are and then finding other people on that same journey. Because I think one of the reasons I, I did lose a lot of people, and I'm still a shit show. Like, I don't have any pretense about pretending that I have got it together. And that's why people dropped. But honestly, even just trying to get it together made people drop. And mm-hmm. I think it was un, it was too uncomfortable for people who liked the commiserating to be with someone who wanted better and higher. And so, and most of those people aren't being honest with themselves about why they don't want to be my friend anymore a lot of times it is just too uncomfortable and so they have Mm -hmm. to find a way to villainize you and that's a different podcast but it's just if you have those people who are looking themselves in the mirror and being as absolutely brutally honest as possible honest not self-deprecating and demoralizing Mm -hmm. 
And then you can do that for each other for the good and the bad and the highs and the lows. Like that is how you get to heaven. And that's what you should be looking for in a spouse. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. That's been really fun doing this podcast and, and talking to people about these virtues has been the number of my friends who I ask them like, well, who's your, who's your model of this virtue? And they'll say their spouse. Hmm. I'm just like, praise God. Yeah. Because that is what we should look for. Like that is what the desire should be is to be with someone like just just like you want to surround yourself with friends who inform who you are, you want to be with, you want to marry someone yeah. who is going to draw draw you closer to virtue, right? Yeah. Like that's a journey that you can go on together, um, mm-hmm. and I love that. That's been really, it's very sweet. I teared up a few times. I was like, oh, I'm yeah, so happy. That's amazing. Um, you don't hear it often, which is kind of sad. I mean, you don't see a lot of marriages that you want to mirror, so that's huge. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm. It's such a gift to have friends who are in such beautiful marriages because it gives you. Like, you can't really see something that you you can know. You're like, oh, that's something I would desire. And then you see it, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, praise God, like, it exists. Mm-hmm. Like, there are such good marriages out there. Um, and, like, that's what I think we talked about. It's like, I think that really is what God wants for us, is yep. to have marriages, like, that are really founded and rooted in virtue. Yes. Um, and the Holy Spirit. And that's, you know, these are all gifts that, again, as we've said so many times, neither of us is, is perfect. Right. <laughs> like, we have so far to go. Um, But I do think that the first step of that is, like, really recognizing, like, oh, I want to grow here. Yep. Um, Hmm. And I think that something I've I've been thinking about, gosh, I don't know where, I might have been reading a book. Who knows? This has been the summer of, like, reading and listening to so many things that I can never actually cite where things come from anymore. Yes, it's been my, it's been great. But um, I think the idea of fasting, right? Like, I think fasting has kind of gone out of style in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and I think that as someone who struggled with a food issue sure. I can't always fast in the ways that I like food, fast physically with food um, because it's just not prudent but I do think that there are places and ways I can fast that have helped me grow a lot mm. um, and in trying to grow in patience especially um, that's a place I really need a lot more self-control because I do want to like g- do things fast and I want what I want when I want it and like I'm not super great at waiting um on anything and I think like I've been kind of trying to fold some like fasting back into my life mm-hmm. whether it's just like okay don't look at your phone until after you've prayed mm-hmm. or um fasting from different like types of media that I get really like sucked into sure. or um fasting from buying coffee which I've done an awful job of this month and I have to do my budget <laughs> later today and I just know it's going to be really really brutal but well, at least you do a budget <laughs> I do and sometimes I wish Never mind. I'm so happy I budget. It's very important. Financial <laughs> responsibility, everyone, is very important. Um, but yeah, I do think sometimes I'm like, I think a way to grow in self-control for me has been like, how can I kind of deprive myself of something that sure. isn't going to kill me? Like but acts like, of self-denial. Acts of self-denial. Yeah. And I think that's kind of not super trendy at the moment to like choose choose to not allow yourself something that maybe right. you want. It's like the opposite of treat yourself. <laughs> no, that's a really good point. And I actually was thinking before we even started this and when we prayed beforehand, I just thought I feel more than anything I need this conversation <laughs> mm-hmm. because I've just been struggling a lot with self-control and just in general feel like I've been struggling a lot. And that is huge. Little acts of self-denial. Even if it's simple, like you get your fast food and you decide you're going to wait till you get where you're going before you eat all the french fries. Like that, there's so much power in that. And not only is it powerful prayer, it's, there's so much grace involved, but you're also building that muscle of self-control and you're building discipline. You're building, which also I think contributes to self-esteem, which is a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. But 
I heard once that the way to build self-esteem is to make promises to yourself and to keep them. And no one else even needs to know about them. And they might be tiny. It might be, I'm not going to eat these french fries until I'm where I'm going in five minutes. But sometimes that takes a hell of a lot of guts. And then you get there and you're like, oh, I did it. And then, then you just build this confidence that like you can believe yourself and you mean what you say. Yeah, I totally agree. I agree. Yeah, I think that it is such a place to grow. And to see the Lord like illuminate that's been really interesting for me is watching him illuminate areas of my life Mm -hmm. where I could be practicing more Mm self-control because I think that when you've been on the journey of like pursuing Jesus for a while Mm -hmm. you can feel a little bit like well at least I'm not doing the things that I used to do and like at least I'm not you know making the decisions that did not serve me well or anyone else a long time ago yeah but I, I think you can get kind of I can get I can plateau a little bit in terms of like okay like but but Jesus is always doing something in us Mm -hmm. and it's and it's often I was I had a really great confession yesterday and I feel like every podcast I'm like I had a great confession yesterday I clearly go all the time (laughs) I do I go so much but I had a really good (laughs) confession yesterday and the priest was saying um you know God is always doing something in us he's always doing something in us and he's always there's sometimes it's a little request he's making it's little things and sometimes it's like big Mm -hmm. and it's as we um as we grow in obedience and we can say yes to those little things that he's maybe flagging to us as potential areas for you know growth like then when he asks the big things of us we are so ready to do that because we know not only can we do it but we have seen the fruit of saying yes to the littler things you know yep and you've built those muscles and you've you've just built the resilience and the perseverance and the grace has built on top of itself which is just such a beautiful thing and then you end up just sort of with this a, a confidence i guess for lack of a better word not only in yourself but really more so in God and what his grace can do and what being in a state of grace can do. And then, I don't know. I think confession is probably the greatest, greatest gift we have in this fight for self-control because we're all just broken little kids who at one point or another didn't have basic needs met, whatever they might've been. And so we're, we're grasping and that is what sin is. Like we said earlier, and that's how you get out of control because you just you grasp and you think, okay, mm-hmm. I gotta get all my ducks in a row and have all have the control, and then you end up completely out of control. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh gosh, I've just thought of two more things. This podcast is gonna go forever, but two more things. One <laughs> is this idea I think that we struggle with perception management mm-hmm. of like, well, I just want everyone to think I look like I have things together. Mm-hmm. Well, also, well, under the surface, there's a whole big mess, and I think that can kind of be the space of like young adult groups or Bible studies sometimes oh, when it's, yes, I mean, not my Bible studies. My Bible studies are <laughs> raw. raw. But, again, <laughs> but I think I it's just, one of the biggest problems in the Catholic church though, is that whole perception thing. It's like, this perception management of yeah. like, look at my cute Instagram and look at my cute, yeah. um, uh, like family and look at my yeah. cute, um, job or whatever. And it creates this like very surface leveled. Like if I can make everything look beautiful on the surface, then I never actually have to address the things that will inevitably surface and cause and wreak havoc like on my life on my faith on my family um, on my friendships my relationships like those things do come up and I think it can be so tempting because I think the quick the quick fix often is the perception management option which is let me just pretend like all this is good and then no one will know right um and I have seen that blow up it has blown up in my face so many times because of that uh, temptation and I think Again, that's where having the right people around you who are going to look at you and be like, um, 
you seem off. <laughs> right? Like, you've been that person, too. You, stuff there have been times like... that you have said to me, like, so I saw this picture of you, and I just feel like there is something, like, are you okay? <laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh, Bridget. But it's because you're a friend who can see those things, right? Like, you can you see through that. Under your eyes. Yeah, you're like, you look not good. And I'm like, why? But it's like, I think that we do so often be like, or we so often act like mm-hmm. everything is good when we're like dying or when something was really hard and we just don't want anyone to see that because we are afraid that they're going to think we are not I don't even know perfect okay good like I just think that 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 perception management like if we if we push our our um attempts at self-control to control our image versus actually growing in self-control in the places God's asking us to that's like a total mismanagement of efforts Absolutely. I mean, and it, it serves no one. It doesn't serve ourselves at all. And it, I really, truly believe it is one of my biggest, I guess, resentments with most Catholic communities is this obsession with optics and looking a certain way and falling in line. Meanwhile, we're all dying. No one's helping the other person because we're just, we're dying under this optics management, like you've said. And then there's, it, there's such a lack of genuine connection and vulnerability mm-hmm. because you're not you just, yeah, you're afraid and you're not being honest and open about the fact that the reason we need the church is because we're sick, broken, busted, janky people who the great physician came to help. Mm-hmm. So we're completely missing the point if we think this is about being good and looking good. And mm-hmm. I mean, and not to say we should all just be whatever, word vomit game. <laughs> Word vomit, vomiting and trauma dumping. But there is yeah. just something to be said for being real. And that priest I was telling you about earlier from Sedona, who's helped me a lot, he said, we were talking, and then finally I got more real with him. And he said, there's the vulnerable you. And I just started mm-hmm. laughing. And he said, you know, vulnerability for the person about to open themselves up to get hurt, potentially, which is what vulnerability means. It means woundable. It's, it's perceived as weakness to the person. But a, a, a true person who loves that person and who doesn't want to hurt them is going mm. to receive it as strength. They're oh, going to see yeah. the vulnerability as a strong decision. And I thought that was awesome, which is so true. I love that. It's so true. And I have seen in my life the times that I have presented myself in a certain way to gain some sort of admiration or something. Mm-hmm. Those have been the times that have been the hardest for me because not only am I trying to kind of like deal with something behind the scenes, but I also feel this pressure to look at and mm-hmm. perform and be a certain way. And I saw that in my last six months of business school was I was going through something and a lot of my friends were going through stuff. And I finally just stood up and said, hey, like this is what's happening and like this is what I need. And it was like the dominoes fell. Mm-hmm. It was just one after the other. Everyone was going through something and we were so being at business school it's very like image you, you mm-hmm. want to look like you've got things together and you're smart and capable it's like a networky yeah weird thing where like you're kind of colleagues and you're kind of friends and you're kind of classmates and i just like i stood up i did we do this thing called stern speaks where you stand in front of the school and it's an event people can come to oh. and i did a talk for 10 minutes on this hmm. and i was like i feel like my my image at school is very much like someone who is strong and has it together hmm. and like I'm like walking through one of the hardest things I've ever walked through and it's been really hard for me and I've realized going through this that I couldn't I couldn't do both of those things like I had to open up in ways to like um 
Yeah, it wasn't until I finally was like, hey, like, I, like, would love a hug. You did this at the event? You gave this talk? Oh, I gave a talk. It was, like, still to this day, it's one of the scariest things I've ever done. But I I am not kidding you. Every single day for the rest of... I probably did that in March, maybe. Maybe February. Every single day for the rest of the semester, someone cornered me in a bathroom, a stairwell on the street, called me, texted me. I had... I... Like, if you... If you cracked my heart open, I have stories about every single one of my classmates that are so deep and vulnerable and beautiful. And I would never have had that privilege if I hadn't stood up first and said, I need a hug. Like, I need a hug. And this is so hard. And it just was like Hmm. both guys and girls just opened up in these ways. I Um, love that. And I remember after I gave that speech, I had to go to class and I was shaking like this for literally three hours. I was wow. like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. I was so embarrassed, like embarrassed, vulnerable, like the vulnerability hangover. I, I was just like, I was it. so embarrassed. And um, it changed the course of the rest of my yeah. business school because, and I think probably my life, like I have friends now, Yep. a deeper friendship with these people because I was the one to kind of, it's kind of like the initial, the original me too that you'd mm-hmm. have where like, um, C.S. Lewis, I think has a quote, which is like, True friendship is when you tell somebody something and they go, oh, like, like, and they say me too. And you go like, I thought I was the only one. Wow. And that's like such a beautiful moment of being like, oh my gosh, such a relief. Wow. That's so awesome, Jane. I did not know you did that. That's amazing. I have a lot of respect for you. I feel like crying. (laughs) (laughs) That's just so awesome. Like that right there is like, that is what the world is just like starving for. And you had the balls to create the space. Well, first of all, to say, like, this is where I'm at. And then you, by effect, created a space for everyone else to be like, oh, my gosh, me too. And, mm-hmm. like, let's be in this together. Let's be human beings. Like we said in the way beginning of this natural, real, face-to-face, like, we don't have it all together. It isn't the Instagram filter. It isn't the freaking whatever junk. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then that's how you can build each other up. Which, at the end of the day, if that's not what it's about, if it isn't about love of other and being received and loved and then loving yourself, then self-control is pointless. Like, mm-hmm. What is the point of it? It's just to mm-hmm. achieve as much as you can and be as hyper-independent as you can to live on this island, untouchable, which ugh, it sounds ideal if you're like so afraid of getting hurt, but it's prison. You're in your own prison. and it's. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you just said. I think that's a great place for us to kind of maybe close out here on this discussion because I do think that like, it is so complicated, but I, I love that where it's like self-control is not to serve yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like by having self-control, like you can love other people. You can be more open to where you're supposed to be and do the things you're supposed to do. Like self-control is, is a is a gift. It's like all these other fruit of the Holy Spirit. Like someone who's filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. Not only does it make their life better, mm-hmm. but it allows them to actually like live a better life for everyone else. So you could almost say self-control is that which that virtue by which you channel like mm. all the other gifts and, and virtues that you've acquired and like direct them in a way that's so much more potent than if you're just throwing it all around. Yeah. And one other note I just made while we were talking, <clears throat> um, my grandma's in this book study right now. They're reading a book by Matthew Kelly. I forget which one it is. I think it's called perfectly yourself. I think it's called perfectly yourself. And um, in it, he talks a lot about discipline and self-control mm. and his whole idea is that like, discipline and self-control don't work when you're just focusing like on I like 
I'm not eating donuts today. I'm not eating donuts today. I'm not eating donuts today. It's like when you're able to love God so much that he takes that place in your heart. Mm -hmm. And I think like that's where I, where I see the spiritual gift of self-control versus like human strength, self-control spiritual gift of self-control is, Oh my gosh, God is so good. And like, as I love him more and more, I can release more and more the shackles of this anger or the shackles of this sin or these longings or whatever it is that's like in your face, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like the more you lean into God, the more, the more we lean into God, the more we're, we're empowered through grace to have better control over these things. Yeah. Well, the more he can fill Mm. us with, you know, it's like we're decluttering and then he's coming into all those caverns and longings and wounds and hopes and dreams and he's coming into those spaces and filling them. I love that. Oh my gosh. I could talk to you forever and ever and we have already talked for quite a while. I know. (laughs) Plus two hours that did not get recorded plus hours before that. Oh my gosh. I planned how to quit my job. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. We've, it's been a day. (laughs) Probably better. We didn't have the computer outside. (laughs) Yeah. 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 A lot of, um, a lot of things happened. Yeah. As, and again, I, I love what you said too. It's like, it's not about trauma dumping. Like, I think that's something I think about a lot with this podcast, with the Sunday Monday is like, there is a level to which I feel God calls me to share. Mm-hmm. And then there is a level to which he is not calling me to share. Yeah. And I have to be so intentional about praying through that. And mm-hmm. like, what can I share that will allow people to feel seen and connected and like able to share their own experiences? And then what are the places, what are the things I just don't, hmm. I'm not being called to share. Hmm. And like, it's a, it's a tricky thing because I have seen, and you see it on, you see it with influencers and with podcast people all the time. Like if I were to trauma dump on my Instagram sure. I would get so many whatever the things are likes or sh- shares comment the, the Instagram <laughs> <laughs> my opinions on Instagram are clearly <laughs> obvious um but but like that's that is a temptation because there have been moments where I have been like I feel called to share this more vulnerable thing and the reaction is so overwhelming and I'm like I don't want to get swept up in this life of sharing so 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 much like so deep mm. and and not necessarily um appropriate Sure. You know, prudent. I Yeah, i got to think on that more. I've never really thought of that. But I think that's very, that's a good point. Because some things are just treasures. Some parts of your story are just so sacred that they really only ought to be shared with those select few who deserve that place of your heart, you know? Yeah. Not that my Instagram followers don't deserve that place in my heart, but like, is some it? Some of them don't. <laughs> some of them probably don't. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, um, it is hard. And I think it's like a daily with, as with all these virtues, I think it's just a daily Mm -hmm. decision. Mm -hmm. Um, any other thoughts on self-control? No, I mean, you've given me a lot to think on and it's, this was a lot more peaceful and beautiful. I don't know. I always think self-control and I think to this day, there's still this part of me. It's just like, ugh, like I resent what I believe it is in my like wounded self. But this conversation was so beautiful and light and it really is freedom. We're made to be free and we're made to be free from the shackles of wound and addiction and lies. And self-control is how you really get to that place of building that version of virtue and yourself who God made you to be so that you can be a channeled gift of every other virtue. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. It's really good. I'm excited. I think that this will be a really good... Hopefully this is really helpful to people because... I don't know. Recording these has been so good for me and given me so much to think. And this especially self-control because it is so nuanced, Mm -hmm. I think. Almost. um, And personal. It's so personal. Whereas like patience is patience. 
right. and love is love. But self-control for me, the things I struggle with self-control and things you struggle with self-control sure. are so different. Yeah. And we're friends. Like, you know? Yeah, so it's yeah. just like, <laughs> praise God. But it's like, I just, I think that there's like, there's such a um, diversity in this virtue specifically. And it's, yeah. it's just like that reminder of like, we're all, God has such a unique, unrepeatable plan for all of us. Mm. And we see that in this, mm. um, especially in this virtue. But I love that. Yeah. You're a gift. I think this is so good that you do this because, yeah, you just, it gets the spirit stirring. Thank you. It's all the Holy Spirit doing it, but I'm very happy. I mean, it gives me excuses to like call up friends and then make (laughs) them sit on couches with me and (laughs) do this. I love it. (laughs) Like, it's so good. It's my little like catch up with people I love. And I think my grandma was very lovely. She listens to most of these. I think she still listens to them. And she, she said to me very early on, she's like, I just like love hearing your friends because you have such amazing, amazing friends. And it just is, again, that reminder of, like, how lucky I am, how mm-hmm. blessed I am to have these people in my life. And so, like, because of that privilege, I also feel the need to share them with everyone, mm-hmm. whether they want to be shared or not. <laughs> I'm like, guess what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Can I book you on the pod? You're so cute. Um, yeah. No, it's a gift. God is good. He's faithful. And one day at a time, everything, one day at a time. Like, he is only giving us this day to be with him and that's really all he wants is for us to be with him and the the more we let go of the crap and just open ourselves to him the closer we can get and that's what he wants he just wants intimate closeness with us and then to trust Mm -hmm. the past to his mercy and the future to his providence and just to lean in like you said and just know that he is moving my mom said the other day sorry i'll stop talking no no, you're good she said you know we, we say like waiting on god like he hasn't heard us yet or like he's up there getting everything in order and then he'll come help us. She said he is moving and and he knows our needs before we articulate them. So he is always working and it, we shouldn't really even word it like we're waiting on him. We're anticipating what he's doing and we should be thanking him in advance for what he's already doing that we just haven't seen yet because mm. he has so much more in mind for us than we can even fathom and it's just really easy to get so distracted and bogged down that we forget that. I mean, for me at least, I don't know. I do too. I've been thinking a lot about the um, the C.S. Lewis quote. Oh, gosh, I like. I think my love language is just botching C.S. these C.S. Lewis quotes <laughs> because he is. One day, when God willing, I get to heaven, he's gonna be waiting for me, and he's gonna like, be like, "Girl, <laughs> could you have just written them down? <laughs> you stop messing them up." But um, he he has one where he talks about how like we get so distracted, like we because we don't understand, or basically we get stuck making mud pies in the slums because we don't understand what he means by a holiday at sea. And the quote finishes with him saying, um, like we are far too easily pleased. And I think about that line all the time. We are far too easily pleased because yeah, like I think my little dreams and my little heart is like, Oh, you know, it'd be nice this. And then you get like a glimpse into something else and you're like, Whoa, yeah, what? Like he has that. Yeah. And I just love that. Like we are far too easily pleased. We are. We're so dumb. I was trying to say it in a nicer way, but <laughs> I'm very dumb. Or I'm like, it's, I, let's not call it dumb. We just are, are, we're so limited. Yeah. We're so limited in our little, in the ways that we can dream. Yeah. And he always has a bigger dream for us. Um, we just have to trust him. And that is so scary. Yep. Um, but he always provides. And like you said, he's good. And I love what your mom said about waiting on God. Because I feel that way too. Because mm-hmm. it feels a little bit like waiting is like so passive. Yeah. But I don't think it is. I don't think waiting is ever no. passive. I think waiting is the most, one of the most active, especially waiting on God is one of the most active things we can do. Because yeah. God forbid he finds us 
with a and has a mission for us and we are not ready for it right or like wow. he has a call for us and we are not prepared yep. um and that's scary yep. so it's like okay i'm not waiting i'm not waiting like on a couch doing nothing right i'm i want to be i want him to find me another c.s lewis quote like i want god to find me like living my life yep. and doing those things that he's calling me to do yeah in every day like every day is such a gift I love today you. is such a gift you're such a gift <laughs> I'm definitely on my period because everything's making me weepy. But no, it's so, 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 so beautiful. And thank God for making us need other people because we would just be so lost without Mm -hmm. each other. Amen. Pray for friends. Pray for friends. Yeah. He has them in mind for you. He has such good in mind for each of you. It's just really the truth. Mm. Yeah, so good. F the haters. F Satan. That's right. That's right. I think I was talking to some friends who were not Catholic, and we were talking about something, and I was like, yeah, just, like, tell Satan to go to hell. And they were like, excuse me? And I was like, no, but, like, seriously do it. <laughs> like, he's here, and he's trying to get do you. Do the world. Um, I was like, it's really fun. Um, especially as someone who does not swear, I'm like, it makes me always feel a little bit like, ooh. <laughs> I've been trying really hard on this podcast not to swear. I know. I know. It's, yeah, I just, it doesn't work for me. Um, I can't even imagine it, Jane. Yeah, it doesn't happen. That's good. Um, okay. That's good. Thank you. I, you know what? It's not something I want to change. Yeah, it's, that's an easy self-control for me. Is I, like, I, like, cringe when I get close to saying that word. Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. Last question, Bridget. <laughs> what is working for you lately? Oh, Lordy. Well, hmm. Confession is working for me because I am just going to be so honest. I have been struggling. I've been struggling with faith. I've been struggling with sobriety. I, I think sometimes when I think the 20 your 20s are hard they really are hard especially if you believe you're created for vocation and my mom says all the time it is a poverty to know your vocation be pretty damn sure of it and not to have it yet your big V vocation so I just I, I know a lot of people who are struggling with that and so there's a heaviness in that because obviously you want your friends to be happy and then I've been struggling and I, I what is working is that God is always there and he's he's arms open like the instant i had a communion like so happy for every single millisecond of his your time that you're going to give him and he has everything he wants to give you a hundredfold like he'll you give him an inch he'll take a mile and he'll give a mile and he'll show up and Mm -hmm. so just the sacraments and i went to adoration for the first time in forever and which is something i used to do a lot of which i believe is really what kept me sober that whole first year of sobriety and I was really slacking, have been slacking since I moved to California. And even in those first 15 minutes, which were a little awkward and, you know, you have to reorient, I just knew he was present. And I think it's why I was able to avoid sin down the road later that day, avoid relapse. So really long-winded answer. But the sacraments and the true friends are working. I love that. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, Bridget. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you for taking the time Thank to you, um, hang out with me and yeah, just be so, such a good, um, yeah, influence on my life. Likewise. I love you a lot. I love you for real. And good luck, everyone, with self control. We're all in it together. Good so. luck. It's easier said than done. It is. But you know what? One day at a time. Right? One day at a time. One day at a time. One virtue at a time. One strength at a time. Amen. Amen. All right. I love you, Bridget. (laughs) Bye.
it if you learned something we would be so appreciative if you shared it with a friend shoot it in a text post it on social media whatever you want to do sharing these episodes helps more people find them and while you're doing that if you could rate and review these episodes that would also be so appreciated if you're looking for more you can follow us on instagram at the sunday monday underscore or visit us online at www.thesundaymonday.co where we have tons of articles and free resources designed to help you be bold in your faith, work, and life. Until next time, thanks so much for being here. Get back to work. I love you all. Bye.